0: In the past, I've spent a lot of time putting the oxygen mask on others, double-checking it, retrofitting it, doing all the things I could to make sure that they've got all the oxygen that they need, maybe even a little more than what they need. And I would justify it that I, I wasn't putting my mask on first, I was really good at delaying the mask for myself. I'd become really good at surviving without air. Just because we've been this way for a long time doesn't mean we need to stay this way. As we always say here at Pivot Me, you never graduate from personal development work because new level, new devil. It's like Super Mario and you keep unlocking a level and then there's this other dragon to slay before you level up again. I think this is my dragon. What stands between me and my next level? Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real, simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. This is part three of Lessons from a 90K Mastermind. If you haven't already listened, go back and start with part one where I talk about both the Belize experience, how I ended up there, and the idea of someone like me. That one is raw. Then we move on to part two, which was last week, which was supercharging your visualizations. You must feel her before becoming her. We talk about what kind of standard visualizations are, strategic visualizations, David Goggins style, and then this other level that we unlock while in Belize that is super powerful, which brings us to today, part three, be a shepherd, not a savior. This is another powerful insight that I had while at the Mastermind event in Belize. This is a thread which is woven through all of my life. I can trace it back to when I was a kid. But before I tell you about what I realized while there, I must start with something a counselor told me years ago, probably about five years ago. I was sitting in a, in a cool office and my, my counselor's office, keeps it cool, but then she puts like pillows and blankets on her couches, which I very much appreciate as someone who's often cold. She had met with me several times at this point and was ready to press in on some trends she'd noticed in my life and business. So I'm curled up on her couch and I'm watching her get a sheet of paper from her filing cabinet. I hear the hum of her noise maker just outside the door. That's how I learned what gray noise was. and. She's about to mention something to me that I'm going to immediately reject. She turns to me and says, I've seen some codependent behavior in your relationships. I immediately correct her. Oh no, I don't I don't really depend on people all that much. I'm actually really, really independent. And I see this like faint smile come over her face. You see, I was focused on the co part of that word, codependent. I made assumptions about what that behavior was, but I didn't actually understand it. So she slid over a codependence checklist to me. This is not something you want to do. <laughs> Things are on there like, you compensate for the behavior of others. You protect them from their consequences or make excuses for them. You often take on the struggle or pain for someone else. Oh, this does sound a lot like me. We talked through it that day years ago, and wouldn't you know it, I have historically allowed, maybe created, some codependent relationships in my life. That was actually a big shock to me in the moment. But though I didn't have the words for it back then, I did know that I always felt responsible for people, like immensely responsible for people in my care, outside my care. I mean, it was like it was this tricky rope that I was always walking that I felt like I needed to provide and care for people. And this this has happened for so long. I felt responsible for things that are totally not my responsibility. I owned them. Even things that no one asked me to be responsible for, if I can't or didn't deliver, I would beat myself up over it. I should have provided more. I should have guided more. I should have helped more. I should have paid more. You see, I don't just throw someone like a life raft When they're drowning, I I swim out to them. Like I load them on my back and I swim back in myself. And I didn't think that was codependent. I thought I was incredibly resourceful because I wasn't asking them to swim too. I was hung up in semantics. And if I'm honest, I've done this in many areas of my life. When she first gave me that checklist, One of the things that I thought about was I remembered that years ago in corporate, a higher up in the organization had told me, he said, most managers double down on an employee that isn't performing and expect them to deliver 120% to make up for the 80% they had been doing. He said, but you're different. He said, you reach back to that employee's plate and you take that 20% off and you put it on your own plate. But that allows the employee to keep delivering at only 80%. Like you're supposed to go back and double down on them. And instead, you just take it from them and you own it. When he said that to me, it really stung. It stung because it was true. And it wasn't just with that employee This showed up in all sorts of places. The truth was I was the kid who did the group project at school and does all the work and then makes excuses for the other students on why they didn't deliver this wasn't serving me as a manager. And it wasn't serving me in other areas of my life either because it bled everywhere. It started as a kid. It started when I was a kid for sure. But it spread like wildfire as an adult. I'll give you a, a, an example. I'll give you a very personal example. So I was um, very close to my opa, my grandfather. And years ago when he became you know, ill, he wanted to stay with my oma in their house and have in-home care. At first this was possible, but eventually it you know, as, as does the case when someone's nearing the end of their life, it, it becomes really involved. It transitioned to around the clock care, which became prohibitively expensive. He had to be moved from his home to a proper care facility, someplace that could offer him that level of care. But he didn't want that. He wanted to stay home. And this, this, Killed me. This killed me that he had to leave his home, had to leave my oma and go be somewhere else. Now, we waited as long as we could, but I owned this. It wasn't mine to own. This was nine years ago. I was I was actually pregnant with our second daughter, and to this day I still feel guilt that I couldn't afford it, that I couldn't afford it. Not we. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put this on anybody else. In no at no point did I think that he would have been responsible for paying for that care or his, or his sons would be responsible for paying for the care. Like I owned this, that I felt like I should be the one to pay for this. Was this my responsibility? No, not at all. Was someone giving me that responsibility? No, I was just taking it. And I know I want to be clear about something. This is not for the accolades. Sometimes people come in and they help and and they're doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it for kind of the pat on the back. I don't want the accolades. I was literally doing it because I felt like I feared for them if I didn't do it. Like I was afraid for them if I wasn't able to deliver. And often I would I would justify it in my head, like, well, I can take the hit better than they can. I I I just felt compelled to protect people. I can logically say right now as I'm talking to you, no, this isn't my responsibility. Like providing, you know, round the clock care so he can stay at his home isn't really my responsibility. But emotionally at my core, I absolutely felt like it was. Like, I know it doesn't make sense. He didn't ask me to pay for it. His sons didn't ask me to pay for it. But I felt responsible for him. Never once did I put the responsibility of that on him, his family, or anyone other than me. And nine years later, it still. it's it's a tough subject for me. I still log it into this sort of regret category of my life. But this pattern of mine, it continues. While I was in Belize, I realized that I felt extremely compelled to, here's another example, pay for my niece's college, that I wanted to pay for all of my nieces and nephews college. But but specifically, I was thinking about my niece because she's just about to go to college and she's doing all the, the paperwork. And I wrote her, you know, one of her letters of recommendation so it was, it was top on my mind that I should pay for this. I didn't want the burden to be on her. I didn't want the burden to be on her parents. But this is crazy. Does she need me to pay for college? No, totally not. My niece is a genius and she's got a bunch of scholarships and doesn't need or expect me to pay. Does her parents need or expect me to pay? Absolutely not. They have been preparing for this day and me dropping a dollar into that bucket is not on their radar. They probably have no idea that I feel this way. And yet, I low-key feel responsible. Why? They don't need me to provide. This is on me. This feeling of needing to save them is all about me. It's my baggage. I'll tell you what my nieces and nephews really need. Like, they need me to be present in their lives. They need me to see them. They need me to hear them and love them. But they do not need me to provide for them. And I did the work to pull on the thread. Why? Why do I feel like this is my job to protect, to provide others? And while I was there, I think I got to the bottom of that. But that is a much larger topic for another day. But most importantly for us today is, what was I going to do about it? There is a fine line between being a provider, a savior, and an enabler. They don't need me to be their savior. They need me to be their shepherd, if anything. Lead the way, live an amazing, full, and integrated life. Go first and let them watch me do it, not do it for them. My niece doesn't need to see an aunt that benevolently pays for her college. Instead, she needs to see an aunt so wildly capable and in love with her life, fulfilled, energized, that it inspires her to follow her own path. The most important thing I could do for my niece is to show her a woman loving her life and showing her what's possible. As Glennon Doyle, the author of Entangled, once said, they don't need me to save them. They need to watch me save myself. It will be a long road for me to accept that I'm not responsible for those around me. I've done it for so long. Honestly, I'm not even sure how to dismantle it. I mean, this habit, this way of being that doesn't serve me, but still feels very normal to me. I'm still working with my coach, Lauren, the somatics coach from Belize, and I know this is the path forward. I've come to realize that this focus on others, like this extreme focus on others, though often could be seen as one of my strengths, one of my greatest strengths, can also be the number one way I self-sabotage. In the past, I've spent a lot of time putting the oxygen mask on others, double-checking it, retrofitting it, doing all the things I could to make sure that they've got all the oxygen that they need, maybe even a little more than what they need. And I would justify it that I, I wasn't putting my mask on first, I was really good at delaying the mask for myself. I'd become really good at surviving without air. Just because we've been this way for a long time doesn't mean we need to stay this way. As we always say here at Pivot Me, you never graduate from personal development work because new level, new devil. It's like Super Mario, and you keep unlocking a level, and then there's this other dragon to slay before you level up again. I think this is my dragon. What stands between me and my next level? My people don't need a savior, they need a shepherd. I'm not supposed to swim out and save them. I'm supposed to throw them a ring buoy. I'm gonna give you a little behind the scenes though, ring buoy, I'm gonna tell you this. So I wasn't sure what those ring things on the side of swimming pools, okay, we're stepping out of the podcast and you're just having a conversation with your buddy April. Um, The, like, the white ring that are at all the swimming pools that you like throw in when people are struggling, I wasn't sure what those were called. So I texted my friend, Laura, I knew she would know. Um, and she texted back. So I was like, what's those things that are always at public pools and you throw them in to save people? She texted back, that's called a ring buoy. And then she says, we use this catch phrase, throw, don't go, because most people who try to rescue others tend to drown themselves. Whew. She didn't know the context of my question, but man, she nailed the response. And now I see clearly I'm not on this earth to swim for people. I'm here to make better swimmers. What I really need to do is show them. I I want them, I want you to see me loving my life, living it to the fullest, inspiring you to do the same. And when you struggle, because we all struggle, when you struggle, I will throw you a ring buoy. Now that we know what they're called, I will throw you one, but I won't jump in and swim for you. You're strong enough to swim for yourself. You have the grit, the endurance to handle it. And when possible, I'll be your lighthouse. We're sticking with the nautical theme here. Here we go. I will be your lighthouse. I will check in with you. I will make sure you're doing great. I will ask, "Hey, do you need some guidance? What can I do for you? Where can we optimize this?" But you got this. I hope that this really resonated with you. You know, the wrap up of my Beliefs Mastermind experience. It provided some insight for you. Either my specific situation in this episode of needing to be a shepherd, not a savior, or maybe some other unhealthy dynamic you've stepped into yourself. I encourage you to stop. I ask you to examine it. Don't give yourself a pass because I've always been this way. You can't say that. That's not an excuse. That is not, that is not a reason to stop examining. Explore it. Dig into it. Do the work you are worth it. See you next Thursday. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at TheAprilGarcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.